Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 12, Episode 16. This is Writing Excuses, writing crime fiction with Brian Keene. Fifteen minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Howard. I'm Dan. And I'm Brian. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me on. And I just, I want to send a shout out to uh, your sound engineer, Alex. Alex, I'm going to try to keep this clean, but I apologize if I make you work. (laughs) So keep your your finger on the button, Alex. Um, (laughs) Brian, we are super excited to have a writer of your caliber here on the show. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I've been writing professionally, meaning I don't have a day job for a little over 20 years. primarily known for horror fiction, but I also occasionally write crime, westerns, sword and sorcery. I've also done a lot of comic books for Marvel and DC and others. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's where I've seen your name. Yeah. Okay. And pretty much if there's a paycheck in it, I'll write it. <laughs> and and you are also, you uh, are a podcaster as well. And I am a podcaster as well, yes. And, and what's what's the name of that show? Uh, the Horror Show with Brian Keene. Oh, uh, well, it's a, a little bit of uh, easy to look up. Howard Stern meets inside the actor's studio focusing on horror fiction and Cool. Things in the genre. Well, that's awesome. Well, uh, we thought that, uh, you know, as, as, as great as it would be to talk to the author of The Rising, uh, you wrote The Rising, which, which I, I credit, and I know many other people credit, as kind of helping kickstart the modern zombie renaissance. That's what they say, yeah. Yeah, and, but we're going to ignore that aspect of your career. Okay. And, you know uh, what? Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> We've never on our show in seven years of doing this, seven or eight now, We've never talked about crime fiction really in a dedicated way. And so I'd love to go into that. Um, you know, wh- whether you want to talk about true crime or, you know, completely fictionalized. But what is the crime genre? When people say crime fiction, what are they talking about? You know, it, it's, it's hard to classify these days. Uh, you know, in the 70s and the 80s, everything was broken into a marketing, marketing category on the spine of a book. You had horror, you had science fiction, you had romance. Uh, crime is this nebulous thing. You know, it, it can be, I, I've seen even the cozy mysteries included in crime. It can be noir. It can, it can be horror. You know, it can be a, a lot of my stuff. They're classified as crime novels, but they have a supernatural element to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I wrote this novel, Terminal, about a, a guy and his buddies robbing a bank, but there was a, a very clear supernatural plot element that introduced itself halfway through the book, and it confused a lot of reviewers, you know, uh, the crime magazines are like, why am I getting this horror novel? The, uh, the horror magazines are, why are they sending us a crime novel? Um, crime can be a lot of things. It depends on the reader and the writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, horror fiction, the idea is to inspire dread or fear in your reader. In crime, it's a little different. Um, but what it comes down to is bad things happening to good or bad people. Okay, so when when you sit down to write a a crime novel, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish with it? 
the same thing I'm trying to accomplish with any novel. Uh, I have no illusions. I'm not out to change the world. I'm not out to explain where America went wrong in 1967. I'm, I'm here to entertain you. I'm here to get you through study hall, to get you through your commute, to distract you from your bad marriage for an hour. Um, that's all I'm trying to do. If you take a deeper meaning from anything I wrote, that's great. Cthulhu bless you for it, but I'm just here to entertain. Uh, and it's, it's the same thing with crime. Uh, I, I start out with an idea, what I think will be a cool idea and an opening sentence, and then I'm very seat of my pants. Let's see where this takes us. Let me ask Dan's question in a more nail-you-to-the-wall kind of way. Really? We're already <laughs> going there? Oh, yeah, okay. we're already going there. Get ready what with is that button, feeling, Alex. What is, what is the feeling that you want a reader of your crime fiction to have? You talked about dread in horror. Right. What are you trying to elicit from them in a crime novel? I want them to feel like they've been punched in the gut. I want them to root for characters or empathize with characters that they should not be empathizing with. And I, I want them to question why. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's not prose, but I always point to shows like The Sopranos and The Shield and especially Breaking Bad. Uh, you know, in the case of The Sopranos and The Shield, our protagonists are terrible people. I mean, Tony Soprano is a monster. The things Vic Mackey and his crew do in The Shield are, are horrifying. And yet, as viewers, because the writing is so solid, we are drawn in. We find ourselves rooting for them when they're doing these terrible things. Breaking Bad also, to an extent, you know, the first four seasons, you're rooting for Walt. You know, yay, Walt. And very cleverly, they flip the script on you, and you realize just what a loathsome human being he is. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the series, you're rooting for him to be killed. Yeah, and that's the experience that I had uh, with, with The Shield in particular is that I was feeling dread like I would feel in a horror novel. Right. But I was feeling dread that the right thing would happen and that justice would be exactly. done. Exactly. That makes me very uncomfortable. Exactly, and that's what good <laughs> crime fiction should do. If horror is going to inspire dread and fear, crime fiction should make you uncomfortable. Okay, I love that definition. That, that imp what that implies to me, and tell me if I'm correct— uh, the examples you're using, crime fiction is about criminals. Always. Um, yeah, you have to have a so, criminal so, element. Well, a criminal element, in it, but I mean the main characters are on the wrong side of the law. Like a p police procedural, like from Michael Connolly or something, that would not necessarily be considered crime? Well, or, uh, you know, I think, honestly, I think that would depend on, on the publisher and the marketing department. Okay. I always look at Joe R. Lansdale's Happen Leonard. You know, those, mm -hmm. those are absolutely crime novels. Now, we could make the argument that Lansdale is a genre unto himself, but that's a completely different podcast, and we only have 15 minutes. But Happ and Leonard are very firmly crime novels. Uh, Happ and Leonard are not bad guys. They're not really good guys. They're just normal human beings who, through circumstance and happenstance, find themselves in terrible situations. And uh, their reaction to those situations, sometimes it's noble, sometimes it's not. But what's fascinating is seeing how they react and seeing how you as a reader react to what Joe has done with them. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. 
Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Awesome. I want to I follow up on this, but first I want you to tell us a little bit about our book of the week, which is The Complex. By Brian Keene. Yes, uh, that's a brand new novel available now uh, in good bookstores. And of course on Amazon, uh, it's available on Kindle, Nook, Kobo. Uh, Pretty much if you can find a place to buy a book, you can probably find the complex. Um, It's marketed as a horror novel. Uh, I'm I'm not sure that it is. There's no supernatural element. We're all familiar with these stories of the the drug spice, and it always seems to happen in Florida. People rip off their clothes and go on murderous rampages. Everybody's mm-hmm. seen that in the news. Uh, this novel is basically what if an entire town did that, and uh, what if a very disparate group of people trapped in an apartment complex, seemingly immune to this, had to band together and survive? It's it's just basically a a, a big pedal to the metal action novel uh, with really extreme violence. Uh, but at its core, it's just about how we view ourselves, how we view our neighbors, and how our neighbors view us. That's great. Okay, that is The Complex by Brian Keene. Yep. Which you can pick up anywhere. Now, is that in ebook? Is that uh, an paperback, audiobook? ebook, uh, audiobook forthcoming next month. Excellent. So, and uh, movie rights just got optioned, but I can't say by who. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know what that's like. Okay, so. Um, I love what you were talking about, uh, this feeling of discomfort and this feeling of empathizing with someone you should not be empathizing with, because that's really kind of the core of my Serial Killer series. Right. And when I set out to write that and to write John Cleaver, I knew that, you know, getting you to empathize with someone who can't empathize back would be difficult. And I gave, I kind of gave myself three little tricks I was going to use. And so I'm wondering, what are the things that you do in, in kind of as, as detailed as you can get to tell us how you get us to empathize with the wrong people. Because even the wrong people are people at their core. Um, you know, again, I, I hate to use it as an example, but it's probably something that everyone is more familiar with than any book I can name. But you go back and you look at The Sopranos. Now, Tony Soprano is a morally repugnant, loathsome human being, but he's still a human being. He cares about his children cares about his wife in his own way. Uh, He cares about his business family, you know, his mob buddies. Um, To protect them, he does some very terrible things. And he's not always good to them. Uh, He's morally conflicted. But I don't think there's any of us here on, on this podcast or out there in the listening audience that hasn't done some things they seriously regret in life, haven't done some things they wish they could do differently in life. Um... You know, with crime fiction, it's just, it's tapping into that and then 
putting the character in a, a very bad situation and seeing how they react. Mm-hmm. You know, I I like to think I'm a a morally good person, but you know, if uh, if somebody threatened my child, for example, I don't know what I'd be capable of. I'd like to think I'd do the right thing, but you know, maybe I'd do something that there's no coming back from. Yeah, you know. Well, okay, so changing gears a little bit, um, let's talk about the the actual crime legal aspects of this. What kind of research do you put in to your books when you set out, for example? To, to tell a story about a bank robbery? Uh, very little, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's good news. <laughs> I, I've, led, I've led a checkered life, let's put it that way. Uh, you know, I, I have friends who are from the wrong side of the tracks, we'll put it that way. I also have friends in law enforcement. Um, I've been lucky enough to just meet myriad different people in life and keep connections and not bring them all to the same barbecue. And, and not, well, you know, <laughs> you, you try to get them together, it never goes well. Um, uh, for the bank robbery novel, for example, the only thing I, I really researched was, uh, you know, the, the security methods that are in place for a bank. And with that, it was just talking to my local tellers and my local manager. And I find, I, I live in rural Pennsylvania, a small town. Uh, the only people from town that have ever done anything are, are myself and the rock band live. If you remember live from mm-hmm. the nineties, uh, so I can trade on that. I can go into the bank and I can say, I'm researching for my next book. And everybody just falls in line to help you out. <laughs> so how would I rob this place? Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, that's, that's something that a lot of authors don't realize they can do, but we can. Oh, it's absolutely. great. If you walk in somewhere, even unpublished, and say, I am an author. Tell me about what you do. Tell me about all the holes in the systems you use, tell me about the problems and the aspects of your job that you love and that you hate, people are usually really excited to talk to authors. Absolutely, they are. Yeah, in a way that if you walked in and said, hi, I'm a random guy, um, <laughs> tell me everything about yourself, they would say no, but that I'm an author is like a magical phrase. Oh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a key. It'll open any door, you know. And then you got, you got to be make sure you're respectful of that, though, respectful of their time, uh, respectful of their anonymity if they mm-hmm. request it. But yeah, uh, you know, firearms, things like that. You know, I'm a I'm a firearm enthusiast, uh, so I don't really ever need to research there. You know, I guess if I was writing a novel where, you know, biology was involved and they were cooking up something in a lab, I may have to go do some research on that. But mm-hmm. most of my crime stuff has been normal people, blue collar people. You know, uh, my novel Kill Whitey is a crime novel. Uh, it's, it's just about a bunch of guys that work on a loading dock and. I know those guys. I used to be one of those guys. So it's there's not much research required. Assuming you know those guys and have been one of those <laughs> yeah, guys. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and if not, you go to the loading dock and say, hi, I'm a, I'm a writer. <laughs> yeah, so, so, you know, live an interesting life. Yeah. Do things that, are, that you think are cool, right. and then you will have stuff to write about. Write what you know. Um, you know, if you're not a molecular biologist, does question whether your character really needs to be a molecular biologist. Can you mm-hmm. can you put somebody that you relate with a little bit more and understand a little bit more in the in that place instead? Well, and and I think going back to your earlier comment about you know even even a molecular biologist is a person, right? And there are probably if you do some research, you can find those elements to make that biology believable, and then from that point on, we just need to believe that the person is a person, and that their actions then we can follow them exactly. Yeah. Awesome. 
Just I was really yeah, yeah, my yeah, my my brain. <laughs> Did oh, we my break poor brain. <laughs> no, I was. I'm. I'm looking back at uh, well, in particular, uh, the the Sopranos and Breaking Bad, both right. of which. Uh, uh, Statute of limitations on spoiler alerts has long since passed. I think so. And badly for our main characters. Uh, is that uh, is that something you are aiming for when you begin plotting crime fiction? Do you want there to be eventual justice? Because in a horror novel where we want to feel dread, uh, we know that something bad could happen. Right. Um, and and often the story ends miserably. In crime fiction, if I want to feel dread about feeling empathy towards this person who's doing the wrong thing, how what, what sort of an ending do you write for? Well, Obviously, I don't read enough crime fiction. See, for me personally, my answer is probably going to be quite different from many authors that you'll have on the show. Um, I my endings. People have had issues with my endings for twenty years. Um, you know, there are certain rules in horror fiction. You don't kill the kid. You don't kill the dog. I kill the kid and the dog in the first chapter. Um, because I, I believe very much that genre, regardless of what genre you're writing in, genre conventions exist to be broken by the, the next generation yeah. coming up. Um, it's the same thing with crime fiction. You know, I love the ending to The Sopranos because... You know, there was justice for Tony, but it's an ambiguous justice. Now, I have my own interpretation of what happened. I believe he got popped in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. Um, but viewers were so angry. They had, they had celebrated the monstrous things this character was doing for all those seasons, and they wanted to see the justice play out on the screen. They wanted to see mm-hmm. him in handcuffs or with his brain splattered over the table. And I love that David Chase pulled back from that and shot it the way he shot it instead. Um, because it leaves it open in an open interpretation to the viewer. Well, and that in particular, what you're describing is the conscious decision on the part of the director to go with an ambiguous sort of ending. Right. Um, uh, I, I keep coming back to what you want the reader to feel. Uh, and in that case, it's, it's almost a choose your own adventure. Mm-hmm. But see, it's not even so much what I want them to feel at the end. Uh, in crime and horror, both. The only thing I want them to feel is I, I want them to empathize with the character. Uh, in horror fiction, for example, if they don't empathize with the character, if they don't identify with the character, they're not going to feel scared at what's happening to the character. Right. Same thing with crime fiction. If they don't empathize with that protagonist in some way, they're not going to care whether he has a bad ending or a good ending. Um, you and, and to some extent, as long as they do empathize and they do care, you can kind of sort of do anything you want at you the can. end, because the, you will have you you will invoke an emotional reaction, and and it will work for that particular reader. Exactly. Um, you go back to my debut novel, The Rising. It came out in two thousand three. Spoiler warning: limitation is over on this as well. <laughs> the entire novel is a man searching for his son in the zombie apocalypse. Okay, and when you get to the end, I thought it was a very clear ending. He goes inside the house. His son is a zombie. He shoots his son. He shoots himself. But readers weren't willing to accept that. That, no, it has to have a happy ending. He went through all this. So they, they read it as very ambiguous. And because they did, the, the publisher made me write a sequel. 
<laughs> just to clarify just to what make happened. Sure. You know, and in hindsight, I'm glad the publisher did because those books have done very well for me. Um, but, Being paid to write another book is usually yeah, a good you thing. Know, okay, I can do that. <laughs> um, but it it was a, it was a it was an eye opening experience for me because I really genuinely never thought readers would take it like that. I thought they just they would trust the author to to do whatever the author wants to do. And, and no, they have their own expectations of these okay. characters. We are passed out of time. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. No, we just have loved listening to you and, and your words here. So you said you had a writing exercise to throw sure. at our audience. Sure. Uh, this week, instead of regardless of what genre you're writing, write something different. If you're writing romance, sit down and experiment with horror. If you're writing horror, sit down and experiment with a Western. Uh, you don't even need to complete the story, but just work on it half an hour every day for this week and focus on the character. And when you're done, see if you can take that character and put it into the genre you're working on. Uh, it's, it's a character-building exercise, and I think what cool. you'll find is that regardless of genre, what matters are the characters you're crafting. I love it. Outstanding. Brian, thank you, thank you again for joining us. Thank you, guys. Fair listener, you are out of excuses. Now go write. Go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.